welcome to the third episode of Humanities Plus. I am your host, Rachel Scray, and I am an undergraduate student at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. I'm a double major in history and digital and public humanities with a minor in arts management with an emphasis on museums and galleries. If you are unsure of what Digital and Public Humanities is, after this episode, you might want to check out our first episode that's all about that question of what is Digital and Public Humanities with guest Dr. Chuck Ryback. I would also suggest checking out our second episode, which is about history and female scholars' experiences in academia. In that episode, I have a really interesting and in-depth conversation with guest Dr. Caroline Boswell of History and Humanities and guest Dr. Rebecca Nesvet of Humanities, English, and Women and Gender Studies. All right, now back to this podcast. For those of you who are just tuning in to Humanities Plus, this is a digital and public humanities podcast that was created to provide undergraduate students and community members with meaningful discussions with enthusiasts, scholars, and experts on the intricate field of digital and public humanities in order to expand our listeners' thinking and perspective on the subject. The theme of today's episode is showcasing the voices of the humanities students here at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. Earlier this week, Monday the 6th, I had the awesome opportunity to attend the pop-up student showcase where students in democracy and justice studies, history, humanities, and political science took over and presented their research from this spring semester. The pop-up showcase was an afternoon extravaganza that included demonstrations, launches, and presentations of students' hard work. Throughout the day, with the help of Kate Farley, the Phoenix Studios producer, I was able to live record the student perspective on their projects, research process, and the work that they had done throughout the semester. The day started off with the launch of the Brown County Criminal Court Database from 1890 to 1939 that was collaboratively created by the students in the History and Humanities Practicum course taught by Associate Professor Caroline Boswell. This was a class that I was a part of this semester, and it was a very big yet very rewarding task to design, research, and create a public-facing database that will live on even after the semester is over. Following the launch and presentation of the beta version of the database, the research teams of the class presented projects inspired by the cases that were used to create the database. Research projects such as rural crime in Brown County in the late 19th and early 20th century and the progressive era and women's representation from the database were presented by the research teams. Here's what the students had to share about their project and experiences this semester. Hi, my name is Rachel Belker. Um, I am a humanities major with an emphasis in digital and public humanities. What I presented today was for our group project in the capstone class. Um, we researched social identity in Brown County by reviewing the criminal court records. And my presentation today was the challenges with transferring the written documents into a Excel-type database. And the challenges with you know, selecting attributes and dealing with the missing information, the unknowns that weren't expressed in the documents, as well as understanding the terminology that was used and reading uh, written handwriting. (laughs) And then I briefly talked about the cleaning process of configuring everybody's inputs and working with a program called Open Refine that would populate for me Um, all the values that were inserted, and then I could edit and make it a clean, usable interface. Uh, So my name is Grant Fisher. I am a history major and humanities major. I'm Ricky Louth. I'm a history major 
education minor and engineering humanities minor. Uh, so today we presented about crime in the 1890s in Brown County. So specifically what we did was we presented like rural crime, and that's crime basically that deals with rural issues. We could give you a definition, but it's a bit wordy and boring for a podcast, so we're not going to. But what we really wanted to look into, honestly we wanted just an excuse to look into the butter bandit, the guy who stole 240 pounds worth of butter. <laughs> and we found out this rural crime thing existed, and so we figured out we could present this and actually do an academic thing by presenting a man who stole 240 pounds worth of butter. Yeah, it took a little bit to actually figure out what what our project was, but once we, we started looking at the 1890s and they had some lot of, lot of interesting cases about agriculture, yep. and it was just kind of all of a sudden we're like, okay, first we thought, okay, let's do something maybe crime with uh, dairy, mm -hmm. or with, you know, with like... Uh, or even just theft. Yeah, even just theft in the 18... Or actually theft in general, but then we started going down to the 1890s because of how interesting some of the cases were. And by that time, then we're like, okay, wait, what about like agricultural crime? And then we found rural crime was the best term used for that. So then that's where it started. Okay, I'm Sean Bull. I'm a history major, humanities minor. Uh, I was taking the history seminar, and I was here to present my final project on rural crime in Brown County during the 1890s. Um, so my role for this project was mainly to do secondary research around the database, sort of to contextualize what was going on historically at the time. Basically the main points of our presentation was that there seemed to be a larger amount of crime happening in the 1890s than at any other decade that we looked at. And so for our research question we sought to answer why this was the case. So the research that we did for the project included going up to the archives, looking through the Brown County Circuit Court files, and also doing secondary research around the database, sort of to contextualize the decisions that we were making and further develop our research. Uh, my name is Emily Rotzenberg. I'm a history major and an education minor. I'm Scott Owen. I'm a history major and education minor. Our focus was on how women were represented in the criminal justice system between 1910 to 1939. One of, for, for me, my point, main point of the presentation uh, involved what they were doing with the women in the prison system, uh, the creation of the Wisconsin Industrial Home for Women in 1921, I believe it was opened. Uh, and instead of just sending to the prison in Wapan, the state prison in Wapan, where they were mixed with the men, uh, they built their own prison for them. Um, they didn't afford them a lot, a lot of opportunities, but they did separate them from the male population. We also uh, looked at the Teasdale Vice Commission. It looked into white slavery in Wisconsin, headed by Senator Howard Teasdale. It really focused on prostitution and how, how women were incapable of making their own decisions in that direction. And uh, that, the report also had a lot about uh, other reasons why prostitution was such a scary thing. Uh, venereal diseases, uh, abortion, and legitimacy. Uh, so the entire report was really just focused on women and how women are immoral, not the men who are also a part of this. But women who uh, were prostitutes could make a lot more money uh, by prostituting than they could in the factory or working as a housekeeper. So really, it wasn't just a moral op option for them. It was a financial option. It was a means of support. Yeah. And we had actually come across one of the, the cases in our file involving a uh, relatively big prostitution bust, and there was three girls that their ultimately after their trial, they were just fined $25 and they were asked to leave Brown County immediately. So they went from having a way to support themselves to, you know, here's a fine, you gotta go do something else with your life. 
that's one of the things I'd like to be able to find out is whatever happened to them, which we weren't able to do that at this point, but it would be interesting to see whatever happened to them. Uh, well, really, we looked into the Motor Inn. We thought it was an interesting case because it involved not only three prostitutes, and that was the only case that even talked about prostitutes who were even charged. Most of the time, it was the proprietors of the buildings where the prostitution happened that were charged, and that was also the case in this one, too. Um, but it was interesting because it was in the town of Preble, which is a very uh, well-known area right now, and it's also happened in 1932, which was kind of on the tail end of the Great Depression. FDR had just been elected, so it was starting with uh, reform on the higher level. But probably the, the most interesting thing is the fact that, as you mentioned, that it actually listed the three prostitutes, mm -hmm. and there was actually no findings um, in the in the case file of what happened to them. We actually found a newspaper article. Whether or not they actually left is something else we'd like to look yeah. into. So we're here with Deb Anderson of the Archives and Area Research Center at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am the coordinator of the archives at UW-Green Bay, and I worked with the classes um, as they designed and delved into the court records. So one of the things that I'm struck by with this project is how we might grow it organically and to continue having an infusion of life into the project. And one of the things I'm fascinated by is the idea of expanding this to other disciplines on campus. And for example, women's studies, could we do something with civil case files and then understand women and the treatment of them and the intersection of um, gender and other issues within the judicial system? I think that would be fascinating and a really value-added addition to the project. One of the other things that I wanted to share was that this semester has been incredibly gratifying for me because I saw UWGB um, history majors and DPH majors come together and create an awesome project even though it was full of pain and agony at times but their professionalism and the way they delved into the project and just kept on moving forward to create this um, resource that's going to be of value to community members, other students, other disciplines on campus, and so on. Hi, my name is Nathan Kraftcheck. I work in the Center for the Advancement of Teaching and Learning, and my role there is kind of at the interface of teaching and technology, so that's how I got involved in the database project for this capstone course. So my role in the project was to help the students kind of do the heavy technical lifting, the stuff that was beyond the scope of the course, uh, things that just didn't make sense content-wise to include in the course, like uh, some programming and uh, CSS and HTML and those sorts of things. Um, so my role was to help the students connect their data to a web interface. And I would say the most challenging part for me uh, was... Uh, sort of addressing inconsistencies in data formatting, uh, terminology that was used. Um, so the differences in, in those types of variables can impact how the interface would work. You might not have data that's in there represented visually that you'd want to include. Um, so the idea is to just be uh, uniform and consistent in how that's presented in the database. So getting everyone on board with that with a class of this size uh, was a challenge and I think they came through pretty well and Dr. Boswell did a good job of uh, writing that ship. 
The next set of presentations of the day came from students from the Craft of History course taught by Associate Professor David Volker. Students from the Craft of History presented their research on environmental activism in Wisconsin during the 1960s and the 1970s. The presentations were split into five research groups that each focused on a different facet of environmental activism in Wisconsin. As a part of the class project and their presentation, students created articles in the Media Wiki based Encyclopedia of Wisconsin Environmental History. We had the chance to talk with Professor Volker about the research project, and here's what he had to say. I'm David Volker. I am in the History and Humanities programs here at UW-Green Bay, and I'm teaching the Craft of History class this semester, which is kind of a gateway course for history majors. And so what did your students present today? Well, today they were presenting their research projects on Wisconsin environmental activism in the 1960s and 1970s and this was all um, archival research uh, so we found some um, collections in the archives Deb Anderson the uh, archivist helped me identify some collections and the students got to kind of try them out they they spent some time exploring the collections and then they chose which collections they wanted to study uh, and they were presenting using the Encyclopedia of Wisconsin Environmental History, which is a wiki-based platform uh, that I created for my students to share research. And I've used it for other classes. This is the first time when it's been primarily archival research. My goodness, I bet there's a hundred articles at this point on all kinds of uh, topics in Wisconsin environmental history. And some of them are pretty lengthy, some of them are fairly short. Um, you know, all of them are trying to make some connection between um, environmental history and the state of Wisconsin. A lot of them are local and regional, so um, many of them have to do with particular sites. So it might be a state park or a wetland or something like that. Um, but in this case, the students were tackling projects that really emerged out of the archives. So one of the ones that we saw today was some history about the academic programs that Ed Widener had envisioned for the university and then another project that we saw that uh, talked about Highway 43 and its development within the region. Right yeah so those are two very different mm -hmm. kinds of topics obviously I mean one of them was about vision of creating an institution of higher learning and something that the students are really connected to um, you know in the questions and answer period they talked about how um, they had they could still see some vestiges of Widener's vision here and you know I would argue that it's it's more than that there's still quite a bit left from that vision but um, but they also saw many things that had changed. Um, so um, I, I suppose, on the other hand, probably just about everybody who lives in the region has some experience or connection with Interstate 43 yep. and can maybe imagine you know, how significant that was to the region, but then um, in doing so, forget about how it, it was controversial, at least among the uh, farming community that was gonna be very much disrupted by building that highway. Yep, and one of the students described uh, part of the protest where farmers brought their cows to the state capitol as a way to kind of voice um, what they could about this issue. Yeah, right. I mean, that still happens occasionally where farmers will take, I don't, I don't know about cattle, but certainly uh, tractors and so forth yeah. to the capitol square in order to draw attention to, you know, their, their plight and 
Um, I mean, in this, in our, in our current context, of course, the dairy farmers are uh, really struggling, and I'm, I'm sure that there have been protests like that in recent years. You know, I think with these projects, I wanted the students to have an authentic experience of exploring an archival collection. Um, so when you get into the archives, you never know what you're going to find. You, you, the collection may include all kinds of things that you don't expect, and also it may not include things that you were hoping would be there. So, you know, for example, my students working on the mayor's, Green Bay Mayor's Beautification Committee found all these drawings of litter bugs that were used for um, teaching students about, you know, the importance of not littering. And uh, I, I think they probably didn't expect that in that, in that collection. Um, and they were hoping to find some real insight into, you know, exactly how was this committee created. And I think they did figure a lot out. They probably understand that better than anybody who wasn't part of that group, um, which is saying a lot. I mean, they, they worked really hard to sort out where did this committee come from, but it wasn't directly presented in the archival materials. Uh, so I think they really did have an experience of uh, authentically digging through the archives to try to answer research questions, and then sometimes having their questions change, coming up with some new questions, occasionally realizing, well, we can't actually answer that question. So what can we answer with what, with, you know, what we have in the archives? Sure, so fine-tuning their projects as they went along was a part of the process as a yes. gateway class to history. This is a skill that the students need to hone. Absolutely. I mean, you used the word iterative earlier. I'm forgetting now what the context was, but like research is it an iterative process. It was about how process. this project is also iterative oh, because right. you've used it in other semesters and you have a template that students are able to fill out so that they right. know how to use the wiki. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, doing research, you you often have to kind of circle back and, and rethink your questions, rethink what kinds of sources might be useful. Uh, in some fields, there's this idea that you do your research and then you write it up. And I always laugh at that notion for history. Like there's, there's seldom any point where you could say, oh, I'm done with my research and now I'm just going to write it up. You're always going back to find more sources mm -hmm. or to re-scrutinize sources that you've already seen. Uh, look at them in some new way. Um, and honestly, it you know, what really happens is you just run out of time and you have to say, well, this is as good as I can do with the time that I have and I'm going to go ahead and draw my conclusions because you can always go back and find more sources. And so I think my students did have a bit of that experience. Like, we only had so much time for this project. They needed to... We are all bound by um, the semester when we do these kinds of projects. Exactly, right. And, you know, an authentic research project would not be you know, wouldn't have to be done in three and a half months. Yeah. Um, so they needed to learn a little bit about environmental history more generally and the broader context of the movements before we went into the archives. My name is Sarah Kane, and I am a democracy and justice studies major with an emphasis in legal studies. And I presented on the students opposed to pollution in Wisconsin and the effect that they had on Wisconsin. They lowered pollution rates and they went out and utilized legal studies as well as environmentalists and media students in order to 
identify pollution violations and reduce pollution in Wisconsin. Uh, my name is Luz Gonzalez. I'm a, a democracy and justice major with an emphasis in criminal justice and a minor in sociology. And I think my favorite part of this experience was just to get to work with the archives for the first time and to explore really old artifacts that I never got to see before. The last student presentation of the day came from the Democracy and Justice Studies students who are in the American Political Thought course taught by Associate Professor Allison Stottinger. The student presenters discussed their curation of a two-week art exhibition titled Fight for Your Rights, which challenges viewers to consider how minorities and majorities have contested the ideals of American democracy historically and today. The exhibition considers from an intersectional perspective how groups such as Hmong Americans, the working class, and indigenous people have explored American ideals through art. During their presentation, students addressed the process of collaborating on an exhibit and the challenge for social science students to apply their learning in a new context and medium. We had the chance to talk with Professor Stottinger and her students on their experience and perspectives on their project, and this is what they had to say. I'm Allison Stottinger, and I teach in the Democracy and Justice Studies program, and then also Political Science and Women and Gender Studies at UWGB. I've been here for seven years, and I really love to teach classes where we do some kind of community-based learning, either on campus or further afield. And the class I'm going to talk about a little bit today is one of those examples. So my American Political Thought class, which is a cross-listed class in both political science and democracy and justice studies. Uh, it's a core class in uh, DJS, so every DJS major or minor takes it. And so it's kind of a pathway or a maybe more like a narrow gateway through which all DJS students must pass. And so <laughs> we thought about it as one of the places that we can embed um, those so-called high-impact practices or experiential learning moments to make sure that students of accidentally or are forced into um, accessing it, but not really forced into, so that there's space in the curriculum for them to practice some of those skills. And then when they get to the senior level, that they're really ready for a senior seminar or other classes that, like the um, presentations we saw earlier today, that really provide a kind of capstone or cumulative experience. And so American Political Thought is a class that is thinking about what are the ideas and concepts that have motivated or been contested by struggles in American history and politics, and some of the core questions that we think about are questions about can American thought and American political practice, does it have the resources, and those resources could be ideas or they could be political movements, they could be tactics like civil disobedience to deal with or overcome the worst parts of American history and politics. So, you know, are the ideas in American democracy enough to struggle with slavery and its legacy and how it's um, part of the original constitution and, and part of how the constitution changes and grows since then. How can we think about contemporary racism and whether the legacies of American ideals are enough to deal with it? Uh, how do we think about the American dream and class and inequality and does the American experiment kind of give us enough resources in terms of ideas to really tackle that challenge. Um, and so my students this semester, uh, so they explore that in kind of traditional ways with lots of texts. This semester we spent a long time with Tocqueville and Democracy in America. Um, and then they do a presentation. For the last three years we've done an exhibit where students take those ideas or figure out a core question that they want to explore 
and they explore it in an, an exhibit. Um, the past two years we did it with cartoons, political cartoons, but this year we're experimenting with using the art in the campus's collection to explore an idea. And so the students made an art exhibit that's available for everyone's viewing in the 407 Gallery and Studio Arts that explores the idea of uh, fighting for your right and also the idea of the tyranny of the majority, which is a real core theme in Tocqueville. Uh, Tocqueville is really worried. He comes over here in the 1830s, and he's really worried that American democracy, despite many wonderful things, is going to produce a type of conformity and mediocrity and maybe even a type of... Uh, susceptibility to something like what we might call authoritarianism or fascism, that people will be so busy pursuing their own individual desires and their own material benefits that they won't take time to contribute to the public good, they won't necessarily take time to help their neighbors out or to develop their civic capacities. Um, so that's the idea they're exploring in their exhibit, and our presentation today is walking through some of those ideas that they were looking to think about, the ways in which they're trying to trace how various people have struggled against the tyranny of the majority, and hopefully get some people over to our exhibit to explore things in art. How timely. Mm -hmm. I would mm -hmm. say, aside from all of the usual challenges with time and organization and collaboration and free writers and all that, there's a real challenge for me that I hope is helping me grow which is taking a type of learning and thinking that I'm very comfortable with, so text-based, making arguments, drawing on text, pulling out themes and concepts, and um, extending that into the space of art where I feel much less confident. Um, we read a lot of thinkers this semester who were talking about art. Tocqueville does. He's worried that that same tyranny of the majority is going to make our art really bland and pedestrian and not great. His idea of great art is like Napoleonic portraits though so I don't know so we talked a lot about art and we talked about we read some Susan Sontag we thought about what American art forms there could be or what it would mean to make a democratic art um, but I still think and we did some work on visual literacy I still think there's a lot of room for me to grow in terms of confidently teaching about art uh, and Emma and the, the curator Emma Hitzman was amazing in filling in a lot of that detail, but it's a challenge for me. I just don't feel as confident with helping students in that area, but I think that's one of the things that these types of projects are good for. They stretch you as a teacher. They take you a little bit out of your comfort zone. They challenge you to articulate your knowledge in a new domain. So I was trying to talk to students about, you know, you could write an essay about these ideas, but what would it look like if you explored it uh, in a narrative form or in an art exhibit. Um, and I think being able to move between domains like that is a skill that my students need, and it's a skill that I can also get better at. My name is Amanda Lurkey, and I'm majoring in political science and democracy and justice studies. And today I presented on my American political thought class and our art exhibit on Fight for Your Right. Um, the challenges we faced were picking a topic because there are lots of different options to choose from, but we decided on um, tyranny of the majority and fight for your right. And what was your role in this project? Um, I was part of the event group and then I presented on the introduction for this presentation. My name is Michael Page. I'm a double major in democracy and justice studies and political science. I am here for American political thought, which is part of DJS. We are presenting today about an art exhibit we put on that had to do with fighting for your rights um, and like tyranny of the majority. Um, since we've been studying 
Tocqueville and Democracy in America. I was part of the writing and editing team, so I took the research that was done by the research group and put it into summaries for the art exhibit. A challenge that my group faced during our process of writing and editing was that some art pieces had a limited amount of information because some were so obscure that they were done by previous UWGB students and so there wasn't a lot of information about them outside of the UWGB art exhibit itself. My favorite part was probably getting to work in a group and getting to know my classmates better and also getting a chance to understand art a little more since I've never really had that opportunity before. The class, American Political Thought, what I, my favorite part about that was, I guess, learning about Tocqueville and kind of how he analyzed democracy in America when it first started and how there were things that he was correct about, but there was also things that did not turn out the way he thought. One thing I would change, I mean, if it were possible, I mean, I guess I would have more art pieces, but since we had a tiny room, I think we filled it out really well. The Pop-Up Humanities Student Showcase was a great day of student presentations, collaboration, and a celebration of work in which humanities students have completed this semester. For those of you who were unable to attend, I hope you enjoyed listening to what the professors and students had to share about their projects and their hard work. And now for the sad part. Well, at least it's a little sad to me. This episode will be the last episode for the 2018 to 2019 school semester. But no worries, Humanities Plus will be back with a new episode for the 2019-2020 school semester. I want to thank everyone who has been listening to the Humanities Plus and for those of you who have shared this academic journey with me. Humanities Plus was created as a part of my Digital and Public Humanities internship this spring semester, and it has been one of my favorite projects to work on in my undergraduate career. I want to thank Kate Farley, the producer of Phoenix Studios, who has been sitting in this room with me each episode that has been recorded so far. Kate, thank you so much for supporting me and helping me create such amazing episodes. I also want to thank and give my appreciation to Dr. Caroline Boswell, my internship instructor, supervisor, and editor of Humanities Plus. Caroline has supported me in this project since day one and has helped me develop the Humanities Podcast to what it is today. This podcast has enabled me to find and develop my voice, my point of view, and my perspectives on a variety of different topics in digital and public humanities. If I achieve anything through this podcast, I hope that it's providing those things for listeners in the community as well. And that brings us to the conclusion of this episode of Humanities Plus for the semester. Thank you for listening, and be sure to tune in next semester for new episodes.